When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coaches, today before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the Coach Pad and Coach Pad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates, and here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, today we have Coach Adams Dean, the offensive coordinator at Greenwood High School. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's glad to be on. Um, Coach Bennett um, from down the road in Clinton has told me about your podcast. I've listened to a bunch of your episodes and really love what you're doing for our sport and um, in showcasing a bunch of different guys, a bunch of different kind of offenses, defenses, and all kind of you know good stuff that all kind of coaches need. Oh, no, no problem, coach. But, and like, and we'll get to coach Bennett here in a second, but I mean, how did you end up as the offensive coordinator at Greenwood? Um, I think, you know, a lot of times it's, it's luck, you know, a lot of times it's kind of uh, being in the right spot. When I graduated college, I went to uh, South Carolina. Um, I was a manager down there uh, when coach Spurrier was there, um, had a great four years of that, graduated high school and then um, headed up to Bowling Springs. And I was at Bowling Springs middle school coaching football there for three years. Um, and then I came back home to Lawrence. I'm originally from Lawrence. Um, and I came home to Lawrence to teach um, and kind of just walked out on the football field during um, a spring practice um, and just kind of was like, all right, I'm here. Uh, where can I fit in? Um, and luckily, Coach Liner, who's now the coach um, at Greenwood High School, um, let me help out with the ninth grade defense. Um, and then a spot came open um, for varsity running backs that next year. Um, and I, I was with him at Lawrence um, for four total years. And then Coach Liner took the job at Greenwood High School, which is about 30 minutes from here in Lawrence, um, where he's from. Um, he went back home um, and he took me with him. Um, and uh, I guess I had done enough um, as a running backs coach um, to him kind of appreciate what I what I could do. Um, and he allowed me to be his offense coordinator, um, which was a huge honor for me. Um, Coach Liner, like I said, is a Greenwood guy, um, and Greenwood is near and dear to his heart. Um, and he's an offensive guy. For him to go home um, and kind of hand the keys to me, uh, to the offense for his team, um, meant a whole lot. Um, and so this is – we're going into my third year there. Um, and uh, our first two years um, – we did pretty good. Uh, we lost in the first round um, of the playoffs to South Point two years ago in our first year, and we actually lost 
in the third round to South Point again last year. Um, we were 10-2 and um, last year, lost to Dutch Fork, who most people should know that, you know, one of the top 25 teams in the nation. Um, they, they got on us pretty good. Um, and then we lost to South Point. Um, both of those teams, South Point won the state championship and Dutch Fork played in the state championship. So we had a pretty good year. Um, and, you know, that's kind of how I am where I'm at. Now, before we get into any football, like Coach Bennett, we, we talked a little bit before we came on screen, and I have I, have, I, have, I obviously followed you on Twitter the past couple weeks, and um, and and I've, the NBA has been interesting the past day. But and I quote from Coach Bennett is asking him about being an NBA analyst, and my first response was he wasn't NBA analyst at one point, and he's like, no, he likes tweets <laughs> like he is an NBA analyst. So why don't you ask him about that? Because his his Twitter feed is nothing but NBA basketball. <laughs> So do you what I mean, obviously you're a big Spurs fan, which is fine. I mean, Spurs were I mean, Coach Popovich is the definition of success. He's running yes. a great basketball program. You've had Tim Duncan is one of the all-time power forwards. Dave Robinson is really good. They've had a bunch of good players come out of there. But I mean, wh- why do you um pretty much live tweet NBA games? Um uh for as long as I can remember, um basketball has been my first love. Um so when I was uh, when I was a young coach, um, and uh, before I became a varsity football coach, I was a um, ninth grade basketball and a JV basketball coach, along with being a football coach. Um, and basketball has always been my first love. Um, I told my wife once once we started having kids that I would I would just coach one sport, and that ended up being football. Um, and that was just happened to be the first sport that I got a varsity assistant at. So that's the path I went down. Um, but as long as I can remember. Um, I've been a huge Spurs fan, um, love Tim Duncan um, and what Coach Pop does down there, Manu, Tony Parker. Um, and I kind of just love what the NBA is. Um, I know it's a whole bunch of drama and some people don't get into the drama and, you know, guys asking out and asking for trades. Um, and, and that can get a little um, over the top sometimes, especially, you know, right now, some things going on with the Nets. <laughs> um, the Spurs are my team. Um, I, I buy NBA league pass every year. Um, and I'd say, you know, the Spurs have 82 games each year. I'd say I probably watch 72 of them. Um, so um, I, uh, I I love the Spurs. I've only been able to see them twice. Um, my brother for my for Christmas one year got me tickets to see him in New York. Um, and so my brother got me the tickets. My dad got me the plane tickets. We flew up there and watched them. Uh, somehow they lost to the Knicks. Um, <laughs> and then. Uh, my dad actually got me tickets to watch watch and play the Hornets this year and also the Hornets in Charlotte. So I'm over two. Um, I probably <laughs> go see him again. Um, and we're probably not going to win a, a whole bunch of games here in the, the near future. So but I'll still watch. Um, but basketball is my first love. And so that's kind of why I live tweet the NBA so much. Because I really don't care. I mean, we can get the football here in a minute. But I, I mean, so I can have an articulate conversation with somebody about it. I mean, I, I we talked briefly, and I, I brought it up. The wind horse, just yeah. a section of the Utah Jazz and what's going on there. And then they trade another guy, and then now reports are what's his face wants to go to Miami. Like, yeah, it's just a very interesting. Like, it reminds me of several years ago, like when it was just a, a dumpster fire of trade. Yes, I mean, last time Kevin Durant was like a free agent, was it exactly it was like this way? I mean, and I think it. Uh, yeah, you know, I think it. Um, it. Sometimes people, you know, it can take away a little bit from the product actually on the court. Um, but um, I think the NBA wants to turn into more of the NFL and be on people's minds 12 months a year. Um, and this is kind of 
their way of doing it. Um, you know, sometimes it gets a little annoying, but once the season tips off, um, I think what you usually see is you see teams realize that they're either competing for a championship or they need to tank to get the next superstar in the draft. Um, and so teams are either going going up or going down. Um, right now, unfortunately, my Spurs are going down. But, you know, that's kind of the life cycle of the NBA. Well, I, I've been a Lakers fan for almost 20 years now, Coach. And Oh, man. I, I've gone through some lulls the past. Yes. I mean, yeah. yes, I have some championships in there. But, I mean, there was, there was about a – Eight year period with Kobe that was just whoo. Oh, it was bad. It I was mean, it was Park it was rough. Park. It was rough to be a Lakers fan then for sure. But you know, there's there's some kind of some rumors out there that KD might be wanting to go to the Lakers. So if that if that makes its way somehow, you know, LeBron oh, yeah. and the, the Lakers might be sitting back on top. But you still got to get by the Warrior a healthy Warrior squad. Oh, uh, that's true. That's and there's you know there's a lot of good teams and that's you know yeah. I, I like uh, high level basketball um, and that's what you get in the NBA once it gets to the playoffs. Uh, the regular season can be a little bit drag, but once you get the playoffs, it, it's high-level basketball. Now, kind of moving on from this, I mean, I Coach Bennett, and I've already told you the quote, is like you're the man to talk to about the flex bone. Um, why, like, first, I, I start with this question with anybody I talk to that what runs flex bone or option or um, anything that's not the norm. Yeah. Quote, it's, it's a ter- I mean, I hate that, but – um, why do you guys run the flex bone? Why is that your offensive choice? I mean, obviously you guys have a tremendous amount of success, especially the past three years with it. Why is that where you guys have went to? Um, the, the actual reason of why we started um, when we were at Lawrence, I think um, the second year I was um, an assistant varsity coach. Um, we were kind of a spread air raid team Um and, and really not because we were spread or air raid. We really just didn't have players. And we just got kind of got beat like a drum by everybody. Um, and we had a kid coming back, um, Dwayne Martin, that actually is at Louisville now, who was, um, if, you know, if NCAA football was still out, he would be the kid you would create to play your B-back. He was like 6'2", 240, could run like a 4 five forty. Um, the strongest kid we had in the whole program. Um, and we had some guys that we thought could play wing. Um, our quarterback can move a little bit, and we're a little smaller up front. So when we kind of assessed ourselves after that season, um, we thought that this was a good way to go. Um, our offensive line coach, Chandler Reardon, um, played for uh, Coach Ron Boyd. Anybody in the Flexbone community will know him yes. at um, LR. Um, and Coach Reardon, actually, if he watches this, he'll be upset I said this, but he's actually going to the LR Hall of Fame here um, this fall, um, was an awesome offensive lineman up there. So he had a huge background in the flex bone um, and I've always loved the flex bone and it kind of just fit our personnel. Um, and then when we moved over to Greenwood, kind of the same thing. Um, we, we knew that there wasn't a whole bunch of offensive linemen, um, a bunch of big linemen, I should say, a um, bunch of big linemen. Um, we had a few wide receivers. Um, we didn't have a ton of depth there. Um, and then we had a bunch of running backs. Um, and so it kind of fit, um, the personnel we had, um, and, you know, we've kind of been rolling with it ever since. It's been successful for us. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people think a lot of offenses started the quarterback position. I think our success has been pretty much directly tied to the players we've had up front um, and at our B-back position. Um, and those have really, really helped us be successful more than anything. Now, when you guys started to make that transition, where did you start? Like, if, if a team – I mean, this could, there's 18 billion scenarios here. If a team needs to move, like kind of like you pointed out for skill development, 
uh, I mean, just people looking for research for answers why, a defensive coach who wants to install, whatever, whatever it is. Yes, sir. Where, where did you guys start? Like, what was your, I mean, from a research perspective and ground zero play-wise, where did you guys start at? Uh, it's kind of interesting. We started uh, not necessarily um, trying to get into the flex button. We wanted, um, at the time, Coach Liner was the head coach and the offensive coordinator, um, and he was hoping to be um, more gun triple stuff. And so we actually, that spring before we installed, um, went down as the office of staff to Georgia Southern um, and watched what they were doing down there. Um, and uh, the problem we ran into is we were installing the flex bone out of the gun and it, the timing just never meshes up. Um, if you're going to be a gun option team, and in my opinion, and from what we saw, you have to be a zone blocking team. Um, you have to be zone read, zone triple, um, things like that. Um, a lot of stuff that Georgia Southern has done, a lot of stuff um, that Coastal Carolina is doing right now. Um, it's really, from what we did, almost impossible to run veer, midline, all that kind of stuff out of the gun. Um, so we started in the gun. We were trying to run, like I said, just straight up veer, midline, all that good stuff. Um, and it just, it was just terrible. Um, and so our first two games of that year, um, we went out and weren't good. The second game, we played Myrtle Beach, who had Luke Doty, who's a quarterback in Carolina now. Um, and they won the state championship that year. Ooh. And it was like 42 to 7. Um, and we came in to the coaches meeting on Sunday, and Coach Liner was basically like, you know, who would sell their house if I told you we could go under center this week? And everybody raised their hand. Um, so from that third week on, we went under center, um, starting finding a lot more success. Like I said, we had a kid that was 6'2", 240 at B-back. Um, and if you get him the ball quick, it was really tough to stop him. Um, and ever since then, we've been under. We kind of – we've tweaked some things. Um, we do some things different than I think that, that just about any flex team does that would love to get into as we go. Um, but that was kind of where we started and kind of, you know, where we're at now. Okay. Like, I mean, that, that, I mean that, that's kind of where – like, I, when I've done research, and I loved watching when what, it was New Mexico mm -hmm. or New Mexico State and when DBC was there and then at Georgia Southern. Yeah. But kind of your point out – they were, I mean, they're straight. And I've talked to some of their members of that staff. They're straight inside zone. Yes. It's all all that triple stuff. Coastal, I think, is still heavy inside, outside zone. But they also do yeah. sprinkle in some gap. So yeah. it kind of makes it a little – it's a little more friendly. Yeah. Um, but to your point, I mean, it's – it's unless you do like that – there was a thing like in the early 2000s, like it was, I think it was like the Shogun offense. It was like the short pistol, like quarterback yes. half. But at that point, you might as well just be under center. Like it just and that, that was kind of what we said. Um, we had, you know, we had talked about can we get, you know, into a shorter pistol? Can, you know, is there any reason to do that? Um, and the conclusion we came to was, you know, if we want to run veer, um, if we run a run midline, if we want to run some of this stuff, it's just gonna be best just to be under center. It's gonna hit uh hit faster. Um, the reads are gonna be quicker and cleaner, um, and it's gonna give us a better chance. Um, and so that's what we did. Um, you know, I'm not a gun triple guy, um, but I, there are a bunch of people that are super, super successful with it. Um, so I'm not, you know, I'm definitely not knocking anybody that runs it out of the gun. I just think for us, um, we've just found that it hits so much faster um, when we're underneath than we were in the gun. Now, I mean, so obviously that season was kind of more of a refinement year for you as you kind of went. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll take, take it this way first. 
is what did you guys learn the most that first year doing it? What were the biggest tweaks you had to make? I mean, because obviously you're you're starting trying to do it in the trip in the gun. It's not really working. We move under center. You still got to get a lot of timing right and a lot of things fixed. So what what was the kind of learning process throughout that season? What did you have to tweak? We um from that really from that first season to that second season, um, that first season, you know, kind of was in my eyes, a little bit of a wash, you know, when you go all spring, all summer, all fall camp, the first two games of the year being in the gun, um, switching to under center is just going to take some time. And so that first year, we were kind of just getting our feet. Um, the second year, we actually did really well. We won, won the region. Um, we were the, the smallest school in 5A, which is our highest division here in South Carolina, um, won the region, won the first round playoff game, um, and then uh, played Burns and lost lost in the second round. Um, but we were kind of, you know, feeling some things out. I think our biggest change um, that we made um, came in our, really our second year here at Greenwood. Um, we, a lot of the things that gave us trouble um, were backers flying over top to our motion. Um, so when our, when our A-backs would go in motion, um, we would get backers start moving, moving, moving. And it would be tough for our tackles to veer underneath and get them. Um, it'd be tough, tough for our guards when we we're in midline to get them because they were already over the top. Um, so what we actually did is, is we we do not motion now on anything. Um, we run inside veer, outside veer, um, midline double, midline triple, um, belly. Everything we run has no motion to it, um, and that took a lot of a lot of work to get the timing down with the pitch, but. Um, they're, you know, they can't spin down their safeties. They can't get their backers over top. Um, and, and going to that no motion um, really simplified a lot of things for us up front um, and also on the perimeter at, at A-back. Um, there weren't, we weren't having safeties just screaming downfield at us and us trying to block that guy. Um, he, he had to be set because we weren't motioning. So there was nothing to scream downhill to. Um, and it really helped us on the perimeter blocking as well. Now, as you made that revelation about no motion, how, is there any certain drills that you had to do? Any adjust? Like, how did you make that adjustment as you went to to, to get that timing right? Because I mean, I, I mean, I think timing's everything about every offense. Yes. But yes. certain one, certain parts are different, more important than others. Like wing T and flex bone and power T. A lot of that timing is that snap mesh timing yep. whereas the gun it's more the snap quarterback receiver route timing exactly. um so how did you i mean you said it took you a little while to figure out what was the process is there any drills you'd recommend for people who want to go no motion i mean how did you incorporate that part yeah um you know one of the things we just when we kind of look back we saw where we struggled and it was like i was saying those backers flying over top and so we said well if if we don't motion they can't really fly over top. Um, so what we do, um, we moved our B back up just a little bit. Um, so instead of having his feet at five, um, his feet are normally um, for most plays at about four and a half. Um, and then our our A backs, when he goes at the sound of the ball, when he goes in motion, um, his path is through that B backs hand. Um, so you know when when we were motioning before the snap his aiming point was the B-back's feet because obviously the B-back would, you know, still almost be there 
and we didn't want a train wreck. So now um, ball snapped, the, our A back is immediately sprinting through where the uh, B back's hand was. Um, so that at times um, you can get a really tight pitch if you get, um, if two's up and you get a quick pull pitch. Um, so you really have to work that a whole bunch is saying two's up, he's coming off the edge quick and A's gotta be ready. Um, and that was kind of the biggest uh, thing we had to work through um, was that if two's up, be ready. Um, but if two's back, um, it's really, you know, the A-back has plenty of time to get out in front um, and the, the pitch is never, never too quick in that instance. Um, so that was really the biggest thing we had to figure out is the positioning of our B-back um, and where our aiming point for our A-back was. Okay. Now, when you guys look at it, like, I mean, your install process year to year, do you go through the same install order every year? Or does it change slightly because, I, hey, I know I got – we got really good wings this year, so we might want to focus a little bit more on this. We're going to go in this order because this is probably going to be our priority. Or um, we have a really good fullback this year. We're going to focus on this part, and these are our offensive lines. So how do you approach install year to year? Uh, yeah, kind of like that. For the most part, um, we're going to install kind of our big five plays to start with um, and then go off that. So we're going to start um, with dive and inside veer um, and kind of install that for about two days um, against, you know, the five fronts that we see. Um, and, you know, I, I think um, uh, the guy from Eastern New Mexico, um, who's now at a high school in Texas, and I completely oh, – um, Kelly um, Lee. Yeah, Kelly Lee. He had, a, he had a great point. I was listening to one of his podcasts one time, and he talked about um, you can get a whole lot more bang for your buck if your um, install stuff, if basically if you block it the exact same way. Um, so when we when we have dive and um, inside veer, um, the only thing that's changing really is what that play side tackle's doing and what the play side A is doing. Everybody else gets to do the same thing. Um, so we feel like when we install one, we really install both of them. Um, the same thing when we get to our outside veer, our belly, and our zone kick, we run those the exact same way. The only thing changes, zone kick, uh, the B-back's kicking number two, uh, belly, the guard's pulling and kicking number two, um, and on outside veer, we're reading number two. Um, so we, we we try to, as much as we can, marry things together um, and give our offensive line, um, It even though we might have eight or nine run plays, we feel like you know, there's really four or five schemes um, that they're having to learn. Um, so we kind of go, we go dive inside veer. Um, then we go midline double, midline triple. Um, and then we'll put in, um, uh, we had been running rocket, but since well, we don't motion anymore, we feel like jet's a better play for us. So we'll put in jet this year. Um, and then, like I said, outside veer, zone kick um, and belly will kind of be our last progression that we get to. Now, you said jet there. I, I mean, are you still going to try to do jet out of no motion? It, it kind of um, – what we've, what we've talked about and what we've kind of married it up when we, when we put it in in the spring, um, he's just – he's kind of going to start in motion when the cadence starts. Um, and, you know, I talk to our defensive coordinator um, all the time about different things, but when I talked to him about jet, I said, what are you – when we run jet, you know, we're kind of – we get that little bit of motion – and, and he says, you know, our cadence is uh, ready, set, go. And he says that 
there's not time to react to it. Um, so we we kind of cheat that A back in just a little bit on Jet. Um, not too much. We're not trying to give it away or anything. Um, but we cheat him in a little bit, and we kind of tell him to jump the R of ready. Um, so he's really kind of on edge. Um, and you'll see if it takes our quarterback a long time to get to his cadence, our A-backs will start almost like tipping over and like waiting for it. Um, but we think it, uh, since we're not motioning, we just felt like it gave us a better look than Rocket did um, last year. Chad, no, I get that, Coach. Like, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. When you, when you, like your offensive line, what are your typical splits look like? And do you adjust them at all based on yeah. what you're getting? Oh, that's a great question. We, um, we, our typical splits, we're going to start at two feet with the guard, three feet with the tackle. Um, and then we will, um, as we get into it, we'll kind of smart split. Um, so our, you know, if we're running midline double, um, and our, and we're running it to the right and our right guard knows that, um, he'll move out, um, instead of being two feet, you know, he'll try to get that, you know, get to three feet. Um, if the, if, if the three technique keeps coming with him, he'll keep going a little bit more. Um, our B back is a phenomenal football player. Um, and you know, he rushed for almost 1800 yards last year in 12 games, um, broke the school record, um, single game record had like 350 yards rushing in a game. Um, so anytime we can get him the ball and we can kind of cheat it with that guard, we will, um, same thing on inside beer. Uh, we'll keep the guard at, at two feet and the tackle, um, can move out, um, as long as that that end is coming with him, he can kind of almost move out as, as far as he kind of wants to. That will still allow him to veer underneath and get to that play side backer. Okay, no, that's that's that. I mean, everybody's level is a little different in what they're able to get their alignment to do. But I, I mean, especially in option football, if you can manipulate spacing. Yes, I mean, one of the things um, we kind of ran into last year, um, at our B backs track on veer and dive um, is based off the guards alignment. Um, so if, if there were times when we were running inside veer and dive, um, that the tackle was moving out and the guard was moving out, well, our mesh was now getting messed up. Um, so now we've told our guard on inside veer and dive, he's got to stay at two to keep our mesh the exact same. Um, but then on midline, obviously, you know, the, the B-back's just coming straight downhill so the guard can move out and get that, um, that defensive tackle to move with him. Now, when did you guys actually start? I mean, obviously, you, you did it last year, and you're messing with it this year. When did you guys actually start messing with the smart split stuff for the option? Oh, that's uh, that's all Coach Reardon. Um, like I said, he he was a uh, um, you know an All American at LR, um, and and you know when when you talk when I talked to him about you know all the stuff they were calling at LR, um, it's incredible. You know, we um, all the tags they had um, just just to all kind of different fronts, all kind of different looks. Um, we're not nearly as complicated as that, um, but, you know, he's always, and that's, you know, Coach Liner, I, obviously I'd like to be a head coach one day. Um, and the thing that Coach Liner said is you got to find an offensive line coach and a strength coach. Um, and we have got a, a absolutely amazing offensive line coach. Um, and, you know, I can, um, I have absolutely no qualms with putting a new play in um, with anything because I know, Coach Reardon um, is as good as they get, um, coach the offensive line. Um, and like I said, he lived and breathed it for five years up in LR, uh, was a GA up there also. Um, and, and he allows us really more than me, more, more than just about anybody on staff to do, to do what we do because he's so well-versed in that stuff. Um, and he's always been 
a smart split guy. Um, you know, if, if you can get the, the, the end to come out with you a little bit further on Veer, let's do it. Um, if he doesn't, we'll kind of bring it back down. Um, but he's been fantastic with that up front for us. Well, good coach. I mean, that's, that's – I mean – the other thing I, I want to ask you is kind of, I mean, obviously you're not a passing offense. I think that's, yeah. that, that is not, I mean, I don't think any, <laughs> any flex bone team or triple team or option team is going to be known for passing, but you do on occasion have to do it um, from, from a play action. And I don't need the concepts specifically, but yeah, yeah. how many play action concepts you try to go into a game with? And then what are your, I mean, obviously a lot of your keys are the, the safeties and corner biting hard on the yeah. run. But is there anything else you kind of look for as you're looking, okay, hey, it's play 15. We think that so-and-so is open what, because X, Y, Z. Where are you yeah. going with that? Uh, we, we don't carry a whole bunch of concepts. Um, you know, we, we have a, um, a main side, zone side for um, our regular drop back. Um, and that basically stays the same for our play action. Um, you know, at, at times we've messed with, the backside A getting into the protection just to allow the B back to just solely focus on his fake. Um, and at times we've had the B back still be um, the protector on the play side, on that man side. Um, but, you know, when, when you talk about what, what are you looking for, um, you know, it's, it's like you said, you're really looking for how easy um, into the backfield are those corners getting and how hard downhill are the safeties getting um, for, you know, to go with your play action. Um, obviously, you know, you can't um, do a whole bunch of things and be really good at it. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've had a bunch of success off our play action, off the little switch route, the wheel and um, the crack deep. Um, had some success out of um, flexing our receivers in, um, running a corner route with them and just kind of a speed out by the play side A. Um, had some, uh, you know, had success with both of those. Um, you know, it's really about how um, aggressive do those second and third level defenders, how aggressive they want to be. Um, I've gotten myself into some trouble um, in um, uh, calling some play actions against some good defensive lines um, where our, our tackles and guards just really didn't have a chance. Um, and but, you know, one of the things that, that we've got, you know, and by we, I really mean I, um, is to be a little bit more aggressive in the past game. Um, you know, there's been some times the last two years against South Point in the playoffs when they beat us, they just kind of, you know, I call it, you know, getting in a vice grip. They, you know, the safeties get closer and closer and closer. Um, the corners are kind of firing more. Um, and I just hadn't pulled the trigger on, on enough pass plays to at least, you know, kind of slow them down a little bit, even if we don't necessarily hit them. Um, probably, um, you know, Greenwood has been known for football. Um, and, you know, you know the, the best coach was probably Peaky Babb, um, who at one time held um, the career win record in the United States. Um, but uh, another amazing coach was Coach Dula, Shell Dula. He won uh, state championships at three different high schools here in South Carolina. Um, he's the head of our Football Coaches Association. And I go and meet with him, you know, three or four times a year. And every time I walk in, he says the same thing. He says, Coach Dean, what do you think if on the first or second play, you just took a shot deep downfield and just kind of let them know that you were going to throw the ball? Um, and I think that's something we need to do a little bit more of. Um, but like you said, you kind of have to major in the run game and just minor in the pass game where you can. Yeah. No. Now, next thing I want to ask you is, 
I mean, because I, I did one year coaching flex bone and I've spent a lot of years in double wing or uh, wing T. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, especially at the high school level, we get a bunch of trash fronts, as I call them, or mm-hmm. jump fronts of just those bad teams that just get in crap. Yes, sir. And it's annoying because it, it, you'd rather almost play the better team who actually, <laughs> you know roughly what they're going to line up in. How do you deal with those junk crap fronts? Obviously, your rules should take care of a lot of it, but how what, how do you react to them? What is your kind of your mindset going into those kind of things? Yeah, um, we the first year we went into it, um, probably just like every single flexbone team out there, um, you know, we made the mistake of, all right, this team's an even Mike team. All right, we're just going to practice even Mike and be ready for them. And then they come out in the three down front for no reason. They never played three down in their entire life. And here we are. Um, so, um, you know, I've, I've tried to learn as much as I could. I think Harding does an awesome job out in Arkansas, um, a division two power out there. Um, they just, in, they have a, a time in their practice they call pods. Um, and in the pods, they show every front imaginable. Um, so during the week, we'll get our pod time, and we just show um, – we have a, a guard, center, guard pod, um, and then like a tackle A pod. Um, and we show the guard, center, guard, you know, everything from a nose to a shade to a two-eye to a two to a three um, to a two with the backers coming downhill um, and just anything we can in that time and the same thing with the tackles. Um, so we try to show in that pod time as much um, – every single look that they could possibly have against, you know, against our run game. Um, And like you said, the rules should take care of itself. Um, It is kind of interesting um, when we played like uh, Dutch Fork, um, if we had, if we didn't have a tight end, they were going to be in a four man front with two split backers. If we had a tight end, they're going to be in a three man front with two split backers. And it didn't change the entire game. Um, Same thing with South Point. They were in the bear the entire time. Um, But again, you face some teams that um, don't have the talent those guys do, and you can see anything. Um, one play, you can see a bear. The next play, you can see four down with two twos, two fours. Um, you know, guys really don't know what to expect. But um, the more opportunities we can show our guys every front in practice, um, the more reps they get, um, the more confident they get in seeing it. No, 100%, Coach. Like, I, I get that too, totally. I'm going to bounce away from the flex phone for a minute because I want to hit some right. mentioned earlier because obviously you said you sent student assisted at um, Carolina when um, Burrier was there. What was that kind of experience like and what do you kind of pull from that? Because obviously, I mean, you got – I mean, I understand it was a tail in his career, but still, I mean, when you when you talk about one of the most influential coaches in college football history, he, he falls under that short list. Oh, for sure. Um, it was um, for uh, – any high school player out there that was like me, um, this, you know, I tell my guys all the time, I was terrible at football. Um, I long snapped and that's about all I could do. Um, I'm slow. Um, I can't really jump. I can't do anything. I wasn't physical, anything like that. Um, for anybody that's like me, um, I would tell if you love football, go be a manager. Um, you know, and that was an awesome, awesome four years. Um, you know, as far as, um, I actually got to work with the quarterbacks. Um, I was pretty much with the quarterbacks um, for three of my four years. Um, so I was as close to Coach Spurrier as you could get, um, you know, and um, as far as a manager. Now, it wasn't like we were 
going out and drinking a beer together or anything like that. But I was around him as much as you could possibly be. Um, and you just pick up things. Um, you know, he was he was never afraid um, to 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 put in a new play that he thought would work. Um, he was never afraid to call any play in any situation. Um, and just his mind, even like you said, kind of at the end, he would he would see things on game day. Uh, he'd be like, all right, this is the play we're running next. And every single offensive coach would be like, that ain't no way it's going to work, coach. And it would inevitably work. Um, we put in a play one year against uh, Vanderbilt, who obviously, you know, it isn't great. We, we were – we played awful that game. Um, but we had put in a play deep seven semi. And Alshon Jeffrey, um, instead of running a little short seven semi – he said he was going to run it about and, and get it about 20 yards instead of about the eight to nine that he usually did. Um, at the end of the game, we were down by like three, I think. Um, and he called deep seven semi the entire week. All the players, all the coaches told him it was a stupid play. And we hit it with about, uh, I think, about two minutes to go and, and beat Vanderbilt in basically the last offensive round of the game. Um, so his mind and just, you know, be, being willing to be who you are. Um, he was going to call what he wanted to call. Um, he was going to recruit the players he wanted to recruit. He was going to run things the way he wanted to run things. Um, so being true to yourself was, was basically one of the biggest things that I learned. Um, be willing to do what you do, um, even when some people might think it's not, not the best thing. Stick to your guns and roll with it. Now, now from there, when you look at your flexbone offense, I mean, I, and I love asking flexbone and option guys this, it, and I'm not asking necessarily which is your most successful but out, out of all the your install run game, which one is your favorite to not only install but call? Oh, I, I'm an inside beer guy. Um, I'm uh, I love inside beer, um, and I think you know, it, it, in any offensive football, um, I think it comes down to um, can I get two guys against your one guy? Um, and when we call inside beer. Um, I've got two chances to run two on one. Um, and I think if we can coach the quarterback up um, to make the right reads, it's just a really, really hard football to play to stop. If you have a good B-back, and like I said, we've had great B-backs, um, and, you know, your quarterback reads it, I think it's a great football play. Um, one play that we've kind of struggled with, I know this is not exactly the question, is midline triple. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping to get better at it just because – Every year, inevitably, you know, towards the end of the year, we say, how can we get the, get the football to the A-backs? Um, and I think midline triple is a way we can do that. Um, but if the game's on the line, you know, and it's, it's third and three, third and four, you know, we're probably calling inside veer um, and, and counting on our quarterback to make the right decision um, and roll from there. All right. So, so when you were installing inside veer to your kids, from a practice standpoint, what does that look like? What is that process of? for the offensive line, the running backs, the quarterback, what is that for that practice that those two, because you mentioned earlier about two practices, you focus in on that. What do yeah. those two practices look like? So you're able to be, set the foundation to be successful long-term in that. Yeah. I think, um, you know, from a backfield standpoint, um, a lot, uh, almost all of it from the backfield standpoint is um, the mesh from the, from the quarterback and the B-back. Um, you know, we've at times, like I've said, we've, um, our, our aim and points the guard. Um, at times, we've had it be the outside leg of the guard. Um, we've kind of moved to the inside leg of the guard now. Um, and it's kind of funny. Um, last year, since it was the outside leg of the guard, um, 
our, our, our steps with the quarterback were a little bit different. Um, so now this year from the quarterbacks coming back at times, we have a, a tendency to push our B back off, off that track. Um, so really that mesh point. Um, and then, you know, up front it's, and probably the best thing that coach Reardon does up front with our guys is flying off football. Um, our, if you watch our tape, um, you can see a difference and our guys absolutely fly off the football. Um, but our tackles really veering, veering underneath, getting that on that second step, getting their hand in the ground. Um, so they're not really showing their body. Um, so the defensive end can't just shove them down into the mesh. Um, and then, you know, the play's not going to hit big unless you can get pull pitches. And in order to have a big play, um, your perimeter blocking has got to be awesome. Um, so we spend a whole lot of time with our A's and our wide receivers, um, you know, working their rules. Um, our wide receivers rule um, is near deep back. Um, so if that corner fires, he just goes straight to the safety. Um, if the corner sits, he goes straight to the safety. And really getting those, the A and the wide receiver working in tandem. Um, and if you can get the perimeter block and you can get it pitched, that's where your big plays can come from. And so a lot of our stuff is working on that perimeter blocking and making sure we got it down from the A and the receivers. Now you mentioned midline triple there, and I love, I absolutely love midline triple that year we ran it. Like that was my <laughs> God, just get, getting a, getting a, a fullback straight downhill. Oh man. It, it, it's a beautiful thing. Why? I mean, what issue, I mean, what has caused some of your issues there getting that to function? Cause I, cause I hear that kind of from flexible and triple coaches some coaches are either really good in it or they're they're It's not working as well as they want it to. There's really no in between from yeah. when I talk to coaches. Why do you think that is? Um, I think our first year at Greenwood, we didn't run midline triple um, at Lawrence. Um, our first year at Greenwood, we ran it. And that was when COVID hit, um, or I guess that was the first fall of COVID. So that spring, we didn't have spring um, as a new staff. We didn't, really have summer because um, we could like only work with groups of 10 at a time and those groups of 10 couldn't change. And so we didn't really have a whole lot of time. Um, so we, we had a kid at quarterback um, that's at Georgia state now playing wide receiver, uh, awesome athlete, a great kid did everything we asked him to, but we just, we really didn't put him in a chance to be successful. Um, he didn't have enough time to read midline double, midline triple, inside veer, and that stuff like that. And so I think um, looking back, it would have been better to stay away from it the first year. Um, we didn't run it at all last year. Um, and, you know, that was probably a mistake because the kid we had running last year could, you know, could read anything right off the bat. Um, so we brought it back this year. Um, I think Coach Liner doesn't like it. Um, they run it a whole bunch in his career at different places. Um, because it is, it is a really bang bang play. Um, you know, you, you you're going to get a you know you're pitching off a defensive end most of the time, and it, it can be tough on the quarterback. Um, but when we went out to Harding this spring um, and kind of clinic with those guys out there, um, they really gave some pointers about how the quarterback how he comes off the mesh to pitch. You know, when he when it's a three five, um, and I think we've we've got some things down. Um, the way I've taught my quarterback um, now, um, I didn't teach it the first year like this, but now we teach it's almost a double option. Um, if I if I get a pull, I'm almost always going to pitch. Um, now I say that, and every team we play will watch our podcast right here, and they'll have number, number 
just spread to the A back and we'll pitch it and get blown up. But for the most part, um, the reason I think it marries so well is when we run inside beer, that defensive end has got to be tackling the fullback. Well, when we run midline triple, instead of a fullback player, he should now be a quarterback player. So we're really kind of screwing with yeah. number one and who's number two. And I that's why I think it can be a good play. Um, if we can run midline triple, inside beer, outside beer, no matter what front you get in, um, we can cause conflict on who's a dive player, who's a quarterback player, who's a pitch player. And I think that's that can be very beneficial for us if we can get good at it, obviously. Okay. No, that makes 100% sense, Coach. Um, and I just lost my complete train of thought on what my next question was. because I didn't. Uh, write one thing down. I wanted to talk about, um, if, if, if you're all right. Yeah, go, go, go. Um, It'll be, it'll be kind of sacrilegious, you know, as your uh, podcast is called Gap Down Backer. Um, one of the things, kind of going back to what Kelly Lee said about, um, you know, can you, can you get plays in the same scheme family? Um, we are really um, hesitant to add schemes to our offense. Um, yeah. We were at uh, Lawrence, we ran counter, and it was our only um, – it was our only gap play. Um, it was our only play um, where we were gap down backer. Um, and, you know, what, what we found was it was really tough to be good at our triple stuff um, and be good at counter. Um, so we kind of x counter out. Um, so when we run outside beer, zone, zone kick, and belly, um, we, we are not gap – we are not gap downing that front side. Um, our um, tackle, if we run outside veer, our tackle will make a call. Um, if it's uh, for all intents and purposes, if it's a three man front, he'll call trip. Um, and we're basically triple teaming that four with the guard, the tackle, and the tight end. Um, the tight end's really, he's just making sure the four doesn't come outside super fast. So he's almost just stepping there and immediately climbing to that play side backer. Um, when we, uh, if we have a four man front, he'll call Trey. Um, basically the guard will base the two or the three and then the tackle and the tight end will do the same thing. The tackles almost got the, all of that five and the tight ends just making sure that he doesn't fly over top and he's climbing to that place out backer. Um, the same thing would happen with our, um, flex receiver. If we ran it to a three man service with a flex receiver. Um, and again, kind of going back to what I said, we just feel if we almost feel like we're getting three plays for one, um, they, the same thing will happen um, on belly. Um, the tackle and the tight end or the flex receiver are responsible for the defensive ends of the play side backer. Um, and um, on zone kick, it'll be the exact same thing. Um, he'll make a trip or a tray call, depending on three or four man front. Um, and the B back will kick number two, tight end will work up to the stack backer. Um, and, and that would be, if I could, you know, if I could tell any coach, anything, the more plays you can run out of the same scheme, the better. Um, we've been really, we've been really cognizant of protecting that um, and trying to stay away from gap schemes just because it takes so much time. Um, you know, if, if you're going to be a good gap scheme team, you got, you got to spend time there. Um, and we just don't feel like we have the time. So we've kind of made sure that our schemes marry up with that. Um, and, and it's worked out so far. 
Now, I mean, and I kind of want to build off what you just said, because, I mean, you've mentioned several resources here, obviously Citadel, um, who runs it really well, yep. uh, Harding, who has, God, I mean, yeah, they, they, they've been the epitome of it for, yes, I mean, they're, they're the, like, when you think triple, I mean, really after the military academies, they're the next school. You've That's mentioned it. Kelly yes. Lee, who's a very good resource. So for when when you're, I mean, obviously your resources are a little limited in the spread coaches. I mean, yeah, there's there's really three, divi- true Division One schools. There's a couple mm-hmm. of lower Division One. There, I, I've done the research. There's like two Division Two, and then the rest are pretty much in Division Three college football. There's like, yeah. Of them. Um, so where, I mean, obviously you mentioned Harding, Kelly Lee. Is there anybody else you kind of look at? You're like, hey. That, that here's a great resource for coaches looking to get into the triple. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, the, 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 the flex bone coaches um, are very proud um, of, of the community we have. Um, if you're looking to go into the flex bone, um, you know, any of those guys, if you said anybody I've ever reached out to in the flex bone community, has, you know, basically been like, what do you want? Here it is. Um, you know, I know Coach Boyd at the Citadel, their offensive line coach. Um, he obviously, like I said, he coached our offensive line coach. So we kind of got a built-in connection there. Uh, <laughs> anything we've ever asked of him, he has just been super open. Um, he, you know, he says their facility is open for us to come and meet anytime we want to. Um, Harding, when we went out there this spring for their clinic, is the exact same way. Um, Kennesaw down the road um, from us, kind of North North Atlanta right there. Um, they run the Flexbone. They kind of do some, some kind of neat things with their passing game that I'd really like to dive into more. Um, we, we haven't really uh, clinic with them yet, um, but um, everybody that I've talked to that has, they're the same thing. They're an open book. Um, they really just want to help coaches. Um, and Kelly Lee, for guys out in Texas, you know, kind of the Arizona um, – New Mexico kind of out there. He has just been, he is super resourceful on Twitter. Um, anybody I've met on Twitter um, has given me everything um, that they possibly could give any question I have. Um, and so it's just, you know, it's a great community. Um, I know it's kind of, uh, it, it would be hard to take the leap um, if you're going from kind of a spread to the flex bone. Um, but there are guys out there, I would you know, be more than willing to help anybody with any questions anybody has, um, but there are guys out there way smarter than me that are willing to kind of be an open book and help guys implement and install this offense. Well, coaches, um, give coach a follow on Twitter. I have, it'll be in the bio of this, of this video and on the audio versions. So please get, at least give coach a follow. Um, and then you can reach out from them there. Uh, like share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz, check out our sponsor coach pad. Um, and then otherwise, that is the another episode of the Got Down po- Backer Podcast. Thank you, Coach. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. I hope everybody has a great season coming up. And like like he said, any any help that anybody needs, please reach out, um, and I'll be uh, as helpful as I possibly can be.